You're listening to We Can Do This, a podcast by the National Consumers League. We talk through the issues of today with the figures who have paved the way for social and economic reforms and those carrying on the fight for an equitable tomorrow. Your host for this episode is John Grailt, Vice President of Public Policy, Telecommunications, and Fraud at the National Consumers League. Hi, everybody. My name is John Brayo. I am the Vice President of Public Policy, Telecommunications, and Fraud at the National Consumers League. Uh, I also run one of our signature campaigns called Fraud.org, which is all about protecting consumers from frauds and scams of all kinds. Uh, And this is why uh, today I think I'm particularly excited to be hosting my very first uh, episode of We Can Do This, um, because we are honored to be uh, joined by uh, one of uh, what I think one of the uh, best consumer protection leaders uh, in the entire United States, uh, Ben Wiseman. He is the director of the Office of Consumer Protection in the Office of the Attorney General for the District of Columbia. Uh, Ben, thank you for being a part of today's show and welcome. John, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Great. Well, um, Ben, uh, I know, uh, you you know, as, as somebody who works on consumer protection, I am certainly a huge fan of the work that uh, uh, your boss, Carl Racine, does uh, at the Attorney General's office in the district, and the work that all Attorney Generals do to protect consumers across the country. But uh, your average consumer who's listening in may not be aware of what Attorneys General do to protect them every single day. Um, From your perch in the uh, AG's office, uh, can you let us know sort of what uh, you you and your office and your teammates there uh, do to protect consumers from frauds and scams? Absolutely. And first, let me just say thank you for all your work and uh, National Consumers League work to protect consumers throughout the country. Uh, really just want to acknowledge all, all the work that you all do uh, that aligns very closely to the work that state AGs do across the country. Now, the, the district's Office of Consumer Protection, I'm actually going to take you back to 2015 when Attorney General Racine became the first elected attorney general in the District of Columbia. And part of his uh, mission and part of his goals was to create a standalone Office of Consumer Protection early on in his tenure. Now, the the office has a responsibility as a state AG office to protect and promote the public interest of the 700,000 residents who live here in in the district's capital. And, And really, the bread and butter of that type of work, of the state AG work, is consumer protection. Uh, the, The office was launched in 2015. It started as a small shop, only a few attorneys. I, I was, I believe, the first external hire into, into the office as, a, as an assistant attorney general. We now have 15 attorneys, paralegal staff, and investigators working on behalf of the residents of the district. And I think the you know results show in making this a priority. Since 2015, when Attorney General Racine took office, we've recovered nearly $15 million in relief for consumers. Uh, one million of that is through our consumer mediation program that doesn't even involve attorneys. It's investigators who are working to mediate complaints. 
So now just to answer your actual question, what do we do in the Office of Consumer Protection? As I view it, we have four main priorities and goals. One is, as I just mentioned, we receive and mediate complaints through our mediation program. This allows consumers who have any types of complaints about businesses that they're engaged with in the district to call our office. Um, We have a hotline. It's 202-442-9828 or go online to oag.dc.gov and fill out a consumer complaint form. And we will assign an investigator to work with you and the business to try to reach a resolution to your complaint. The second priority is we bring enforcement actions under the district's Consumer Protection Procedures Act. That's the district's consumer protection law. Uh, We bring cases both locally, individually as, as the district, but we also join with state AGs across the country to bring larger what are called multi-state actions. The third priority is we we help and draft legislation to help consumers. You you may have seen some of that in response to COVID. Our office was was involved in several pieces of legislation that the council passed on an emergency basis to protect consumers, including some very important tenant protections, important debt collection protections. And then finally, our, our fourth goal is to educate consumers throughout the, the district through our outreach program. So we're doing podcasts like this, we we used to go out to uh, you know, senior centers and schools to talk to the community and, and try to help people understand how they can better protect themselves. Uh, that number, again, if you're in the district uh, to file a complaint is 202-442-9828. And they can also go uh, on the web to oag.dc.gov. Um, you know, how many, like, how many uh, complaints are you processing? Uh, ben, how many do you get from consumers? I mean, the district, you know, for, for folks who, who may be tuning in who aren't familiar with the district, we love to say that the, that the D.C. is uh, uh, a state that is it's, – it's not a state, but it has the population in excess of someplace like Wyoming, right? So it's, it certainly has all of the trappings of uh, consumer protection needs of citizens in any other state. Uh, and so in, in DC, I'm sure you're getting lots of complaints from consumers. Like how many are we talking about on average? Yeah. So, you know, we really do actually now are in a very different place than we were four months ago before, uh, the COVID crisis hit. So prior, and I can just give you sort of, uh, an idea of, you know, our annual complaint total, you know, you, typically we were receiving between, uh, 1200 to 1500 complaints a year. Over the past four months since the, the COVID crisis started, we've received 900 complaints, uh, approximately 600 of those being directly related to, to COVID. So essentially what has happened over the, the short period of time is our complaints have nearly tripled. Um, you know, it's a time when you know a lot of people are facing financial difficulties, have questions, um, are, are seeing scams in the community, don't know how to protect themselves, um, and are having you know issues with businesses that may have closed down. So it's not surprising to us um, that there's been such an uptick in complaints. You know, we've been prepared for it and um, are are you know doing our best to work through each of them. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So uh, at, at fraud.org, uh, you know, we think a lot about. Uh, Sort of the, the 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 scammer trying to get you to uh, you know send them money to collect a million dollar prize, or the people who uh, call you in the middle of the night and claim to be from the IRS and get you to uh, to send them a 
money to avoid getting uh, investigated or something like that. But uh, you know, you, your office put out a report earlier this year uh, that really analyzed the complaints that you were getting from district residents. Um, and you know, I was surprised. I, I had expected to see the kind of scams that we hear a lot about at fraud.org being sort of the top of the list, but they weren't. Um, the, the top one that you, you talked about, or one of the top ones you talked about, had to do with, uh, with health spas. Uh, which I found interesting. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So the report we put out in in May uh, was a, a report that looked at the complaints that we've received since the onset of the COVID crisis. And you know, as as I mentioned, our complaints nearly tripled. We had complaints um, from all areas of the district, but the most complained about industry was health clubs and spas. And you know, I, I actually really love this report because we we were able to dive into the data and see how things changed over time. And, and what we saw, which was consistent with sort of our experience in the ground, is immediately as sort of the crisis hit, we were seeing a surge of price gouging complaints. Um, people were calling regarding uh, stores overselling products like bleach and Clorox wipes. And then around April 1st, when people's memberships to gyms, for example, were auto being auto renewed, we had a surge in cancellation and billing complaints. And that's when we saw a huge uh, spike, if you will, in the health club and spa space as well. So these were complaints from consumers who you know belong to gyms, were being charged on a monthly basis. And because of the the current situation, those gyms had closed and they weren't able to use those services anymore. And the companies uh, were still charging those consumers um, and continue to charge them. Um, they were charging cancellation fees and freeze fees, uh, but then also just continuing to charge monthly fees, even though you know, no consumers could actually use the gyms. You know, there's one gym in particular in the district, Washington Sports Club, um, that we, you know, we have issued, we um, specifically sent a letter to with a number of other states. We ended up reaching uh, an agreement whereby the company agreed to freeze those memberships for free and provide refunds to consumers that had complained to our office. But that's sort of where um, you know it was really interesting to get into the data because you could see how things were changing on the ground. Um, and it really um, it, it was just really interesting. I encourage you know folks to take a look at it. To be clear, they the these health clubs were required by the mayor's office to shut down to try and control the spread of COVID. Uh, you know, you have people who uh, thousands of district residents who have been paying members of these sports clubs, but they can't go use them. And rather than uh, uh, sort of suspend uh, charging these memberships every month, they kept charging them even though you couldn't use the uh the 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 spa um that seems like pretty um i don't know i'm going to use a nicer word than the one i originally thought here it seems uh pretty bold (laughs) to do that and think you can get away with it well yeah i mean let me take a step back i mean we are in sort of an unprecedented time right now and we certainly recognize the you know immense financial strain both on consumers but businesses as well um and this was not just sort of 
you know, circumstances necessarily limited to gyms and spas is where we saw the most complaints. But, you know, we've heard from people who had membership fees for parking garages, for instance, who no longer were going to work and, and therefore weren't able to use their parking spot. We had complaints from daycare facilities where um, the daycares had closed down. Um, people were, were told to stay at home and could no longer send their kids to daycares, but they were still being required to pay monthly fees. On the whole, companies were willing to work with consumers. Um, so I, I don't want to present a, a picture of you know businesses not um, making accommodations and trying to find a reasonable middle, middle ground with the consumers that complain to our office. Because on the whole, you know, we had a really good working relationship with the business community that did, you know, you know, work with us to make sure that, you know, although we were recognizing, you know, the financial strain of businesses no longer receiving any sources uh, of funds anymore, but also, um, you know, the, the consumers who may have lost their jobs were were in incredible, you know, financial uh, strain. You know, couldn't make these payments anymore, and really shouldn't. Um, so, but that's sort of where these complaints came in, and and you know, our mediation team just did a really great job um, working through these complaints. Uh, we have you know a group of investigators and mediators who you know are are in constant touch with both consumers as well as the businesses, trying to work towards a resolution. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we. Uh, when, when a lot of these shutdowns started to happen, um, you know, we started getting inundated with with media uh, and consumers calling us, talking to us about consumers who were had had booked a, a vacation or, uh, or, or or a flight um, or a cruise um, before all of everything shut down because of COVID. Uh, and then they were trying to uh, get a refund on those and kind of being given the runaround about whether or not they'd be able to, to actually get that refund. Um, so, you know, for a, a district resident, let's say, who has, uh, say, booked a cruise in Florida, right, uh, and they can't get a refund, um, is, is the best place for them to complain? Would be, that be to, to your office? Uh, would it be sort of a, a federal agency? Uh, or or somewhere else, uh, and 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 would these sorts of complaints get? You talked about sort of multi-state actions in the past. Um, you know, would those kinds of instances uh, lead to sort of the multi-state investigations you talked about? So first, yes, complain to our office. Um, you know, we 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 say we like complaints. So you know, call us, send us an email, um, or, you know, go online, fill out the complaint form. If it's not a complaint that we can handle, if, if it has jurisdiction, you know, from some other federal agency, or it will be better handled by another district agency or, or somewhere else, we'll refer it for you. And we'll make sure that you get to the right place. But, you know, please come to us, not only because, you know, we think we can help help consumers out in most cases. Also, we want to know, you know, what consumers are facing. And that really leads into sort of the second part of your question is how do these multi-state actions, um, you know, are, how are they generated? And, you know, we, you know, one thing that, you know, this crisis has brought out has been the collaboration across state AG offices. I mean, we, we often work together uh, through the National Association of Attorneys General and specific working groups where we're constantly meeting and coordinating on large cases and investigations. Um, but that has only increased over the past four months. So, you know, there are frequent calls among um, P 
people in consumer protection offices across the country that are talking about these very things, that are sharing ideas and complaints and um, solutions to try to you know better protect consumers moving forward. Well, you know, you you, you talked a little bit earlier about uh, how businesses are in you know this is an unprecedented time, right? Uh, I, I don't think uh, there are many businesses, at least not the reputable ones, uh, that are out there you know trying to figure out how to. Uh, you know, get one over on consumers during this time. I mean, most of the businesses that that I deal with, they're just interested in, in how to stay in business and how to survive this time. But you know, unfortunately, uh, there is also this criminal underbelly of of scammers who you know are active in the best of times, but during this sort of COVID moment, it's sort of the the I've seen it described as sort of an El Dorado. For scam artists, um, you know, uh, we we for example, you know, one of the big things we saw uh, when the stimulus uh, package came out, there was all this news about how every, everybody's going to get a twelve hundred dollar check in the mail from the U.S. government, which is great because so many people need it. But you know, as an organization that that focuses on fraud, uh, you know, alarm bells were triggering in our head because sort of free money from the government. Uh, is you know music to the ears of scammers, uh, and we we were really concerned, and, and I think we've seen that uh, with scammers trying to take advantage of that, um, as well as a lot of other scams related to to COVID specifically. Um, besides sort of like the price gouging and the uh, sort of membership issues that that we've talked about and that were you talked about in your report, uh, are there any of those kinds of scams, sort of the out and out criminals? Uh, that you're getting complaints about uh, in the OAG's office? Yeah, we are we are seeing those unfortunately, and and you know as you suggested, when you know we hear that there's going to be a, a stimulus package, our sort of alarms went off as well. Um, you know, and what we tried to do was focus heavily on outreach. Uh, so before you know consumers even receive that money, trying to get out information to them so they they could be alert and be aware of those types of scams. But you know, yeah, we ha- we have seen unfortunately these types of, of scams popping up: stimulus payment scams, charity scams, um, you know, COVID-related testing and treatment type of scams. You know, the FTC has done an excellent job of collecting data from all fifty states. Um, if you, you know, you go to their website, you can look at you know, all the different types of scams that have been reported to, to their offices, uh, you know, throughout the country, um, and so. You know, it's 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 unfortunate that you know people would be taking advantage of a situation like this. Um, you know, we have put out a number of blogs and alerts to consumers in the district. Um, you know, I think going back to as early as February, we had a we're already sorry, starting to see COVID related scams, and put out a, a blog alerting consumers and providing some tips to them. You know, each state AG, I think across the country, has done a really good job of of doing similar outreach to to their consumers and making sure that folks are aware of these and and on the lookout. Um, you know, just folks just have to be you know very careful. You know, especially you know the the tips we give you know are often for all the scams are are often very similar you know, don't provide personal information to someone over the phone or on social media you know be careful with phone calls or emails or texts you receive from people you don't know and 
you know, these scams are probably unfortunately going to continue. We're now seeing contact tracing scams uh, where you know people are getting scam text messages telling them that you know they're involved in you know some contact tracing event. So you know, it's going to this is not a problem that's going to go away unfortunately anytime soon. Um, and you know I think we're we're certainly well prepared for it, and you know we'll be continued to be vigilant about. Uh, trying to stop these scams. Yeah, I mean, and, and the work that you all are doing is is just so important uh, in, in educating consumers. And I assume folks can, can get all those blogs uh, on your website at oag.dc.gov. Uh, are there newsletters or other things that consumers can sign up for? You can sign up for consumer alerts on oag.dc.gov um, through our newsroom. Um, there, you know, you can sign up for some of our consumer alerts or, or the office alerts that will include our, our consumer protection alerts. You know, we're also on, on social media, um, you know, eat, you know, uh, again, you know, for folks not living in the district that, you know, each of your state AGs likely also has similar you know, ability to sign up to receive those types of consumer protection alerts. One of the, one of the other things I, I think if anybody who's, who has walked through uh, the district or, or gotten on a bus or taken the Metro recently has probably seen a sign uh, urging you to make sure to participate in the U S census this year. Uh, and I know it's uh, particularly for, uh, for local governments uh, and municipal governments uh, and, and certainly for the district government, um, sort of participation in the census is uh, the difference of, of literally billions of dollars uh, that, that flow to, uh, to, to all, uh, you know, government agencies and programs, but also to support um, uh, things like the, the, the consumer protection work that you do. Um, unfortunately, you know, we are also uh, seeing uh, a surge of complaints about uh, s- scams related to the census. Um, have you seen, uh, those kinds of scams or, or received any complaints? We, we have heard about them. You know, you know, they, they sort of follow the typical format of a government imposter scam. The ones that we've heard about where folks, you know, are claiming to be from the census and trying to, you know, collect personal information to potentially use, you know, to commit identity theft or potentially commit some other harm against the consumer. So, you know, we, we have heard about, about those, uh, uh happening, um, you know, again, it's just another avenue that um, scammers are using to try to you know, extract sensitive personal information from folks. Yeah. And uh, you know, not to, to this is this is NCL's podcast, and so, uh, but I will take the opportunity since we're talking about these census scams to plug another great organization that's doing amazing work on this. Uh, that's the Identity Theft Resource Center. Um, they uh, have. Uh, Offer, they offer free help to anybody who's been a victim of uh, a census scam or any other kind of identity theft scam. Um, and their website is idtheftcenter.org. Uh, and they also operate a, uh, a uh, toll-free uh, helpline where you can get in-person help from, uh, from folks. That number is 888-400-5530. Um, so Ben, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about as well, you mentioned at the top of the show, the work that you're doing on, on enforcement, um, you know, at a time when, when I think so many folks nationwide, as well as in the district are, uh, in financial distress, uh, due to these COVID related, uh, shutdowns, um, you know, people are wondering how they're going to, you know, make ends meet. Um, and, uh, many folks may be turning to, 
uh, sort of payday loans or other sort of uh, short-term lending to try and, you know, put food on the table and make rent that month. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, not every, uh, not every, uh, lender is, you know, uh, what we would consider on the up and up, uh, and some we would even consider pretty predatory. Um, I know that your office, uh, earlier this year, uh, took action against one of those, uh, lenders. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah, earlier this month, uh, in June, we filed a lawsuit against a company called Elevate. It was an online lender that was, Offering you know, fast cash to consumers uh, th- through their online platform, but with loans that had interest rates between you know, ninety nine and two hundred and fifty percent, the the usury or the the interest rate caps in the district are six percent or twenty four percent, depending on on the uh, you know the the loan itself, and you know those are rates the ninety nine to two hundred fifty one are, are hugely in excess, you know, you know forty times the legal limit in the district. And we allege that in our complaint that you know, offering loans um, and, and selling loans to consumers at, at these rates violated the district's interest rate laws. Uh, we also allege that they failed to disclose important information about these products. You know, For one of the products, they didn't disclose what the actual interest rate was, even though they disclosed that to their investors. Uh, we allege that they you know, falsely stated that uh, the, you know, their loans would be less expensive than something like a utility reconnection fee. Even though, if you, when you, you know, as we noted our complaint, when you break down the numbers, you know, I think it was you'd have to pay fifty utility reconnection fees in a year and a half in order to sort of exceed the fees that you pay in interest on one of these products. And you know, we've seen these types of products before. You know, they, they're very similar. You know, the payday loans, the the short term loans, and you know, what often happens is folks fall into a cycle of debt. And you know, although you're able to potentially get quick cash, you know, it's it's it becomes impossible to pay that back. And you know, individuals have to take out new loans just to pay off the old loans. So yeah, yeah we we filed a specific complaint against Elevate. Um, Certainly, during this time where folks are, you know, looking and in, in, in such financial, there's such financial sort of ruin across the country. You know, it's even more important that you know, um, one companies are being upfront and truthful to consumers about the products they're providing, but also that consumers do sort of their due diligence when they're looking, um, you know, to borrow money. So let's say I'm a consumer who uh, who who got a a took out a loan from one of these uh, online lenders uh, that I think uh, maybe was violating the district's uh, cap against uh, usury or sort of you know abusive interest rates. Um, you know, can I come to your office and 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 you know uh, complain about that company? Um, and if I do that, it, can I potentially uh, sort of be you know excused from that loan, or at least have some of the loan terms forgiven. Yes. So again, if you contact our office at oag.dc.gov and file a complaint, you know it will immediately go into our mediation sort of um, program, and we will attempt to mediate your one-off complaint and, and try to reach a resolution like the one you described. If and but if we you know aren't able to 
get to a resolution because it is a voluntary program. And sometimes businesses, you know, don't want to make an accommodation, even though um, we think it's in the best interest for the consumer. Um, it still informs our enforcement decisions moving forward. So if we have a number of complaints about a specific online lender that is engaged in practices that violate the district's interest rate laws or our consumer protection laws, um, you know, that will inform you know, our enforcement work moving forward. And that may be a case where ultimately we would uh, look to bring a a lawsuit against the company where we've received a number of complaints. So all that's to say is yes, you know, you, you you know, please do contact our office. You know, we want to, you know, helps us better understand, you know, what consumers are facing. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, it's uh, many consumers maybe may, when they think of, you know, payday lenders, uh, they often think of sort of these storefronts, uh, where people are you know, offering car title loans or check cashing or things like that. Uh, but, you know, for, you know, what we're seeing now is that, you know, a lot of that sort of predatory uh, sort of payday lending is now migrating online. Um, I think, you know, we even saw uh, in recent years, uh, some of these payday lenders were trying to, you know, claim, well, we're, we're based on a, on, on our, uh, on native American lands. And so we're not subject to whatever usury cap a particular state has uh, on this. So it's 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 interesting, at least to me, uh, to see just the links to which these payday loans uh, uh, and payday lenders will go to uh, to try and you know skirt the edges of the law uh, and offer these. Yeah, yeah, I think it speaks to sort of you know consumer protection is moving online, and um, you, know, you mentioned the the. Uh, tribal immunity cases. You know, we had we had filed a complaint against a, one of those entities called Cash Call um, and re- reached a settlement um, that you know returned a significant amount of money to to district residents with the company who was engaged in payday lending in the district in violation of the district's interest rate caps, um, and it claimed that you know because um, of their relationship with a Native American tribe that they were immune and, and could continue to do that. Um, but yeah, you know, consumer protection is moving online. We saw the same thing with our price gouging complaints. Um, not only were we seeing sort of the, the the price gouging complaints you'd expect, which is, you know, your your local stores, your small stores, your corner stores selling products for increased prices. We also had a number of online complaints um, where we saw price gouging on on platforms um, like Amazon and Walmart. Um, you know, a group of state AGs you know, sent letters to numerous of the online platforms and we're working with them to combat price gouging on those platforms. But we, we received a number of complaints um, from folks you know, who are experiencing you know, what had you know, historically been something you'd you know, experience at a storefront was now happening online. Yeah, and you know, and and I think it's that's not just limited to the district either. Uh, over the past couple of months, uh, I've had conversations uh, with folks in the Attorney General's office in uh, in Pennsylvania, as well as in uh, just this week in Iowa. Uh, and this price gouging complaints from consumers is the number one thing that they're they're all hearing about. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is sounds this is, this is sounds kind of uh, kind of glib, but. You know, the other day I went on, I went online looking to see, I wanted to buy yeast because we're doing more baking because we're all stuck inside. And I was, you know, for something that usually cost me a dollar or two at the store, they were going to charge me like 30 bucks plus shipping um, to get it sent to my house, which was just, just crazy. And I realized yeast isn't really, you know, a must have 
uh, thing the way that, you know, hand sanitizer or, or toilet paper or something like that might be. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I guess it just goes to show that anytime you're in a situation where there is, uh, you know, demand exceeds supply, you're going to have people who try and take advantage. Yeah. And, you know, we received a, a sort of a surge of price gouging complaints. You know, some of them have, have tapered off somewhat as the crisis has gone on. But, you know, we received about, I think it was 170 price gouging complaints. We sent 25 cease and desist letters to businesses throughout the district that, um, we were, we had confirmed through investigations were engaged in price gouging. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, you know, unfortunately people are, are trying to take advantage of, of the situation and, you know, it's incredibly important that, you know, especially essential goods are, you know, available equally, uh, for consumers. So, um, you know, one, you know, we, we, we think about consumers, uh, at NCL, you know, we, we often, you know, think in particular about seniors, right. As being, uh, folks who, who may be particularly vulnerable, um, you know, in the best of times, but in a time like, uh, the, we are right now with COVID where there's, you know, they're already at, at, at higher risk because of their age. Um, you know, factors like social isolation that we worry about all the time could be especially exacerbated, um, during this time when sort of so many folks are cut off from um, their support networks. Um, many folks, you know, it's all over the news, uh, seniors who are, you know, in nursing facilities and just can't see anybody because of the risk there. Um, so for seniors in particular, uh, are there uh, resources that your office or others in the district have uh, that they can go to uh, if they feel like they're being taken advantage of uh, during this crisis? Yes, and, you know, uh, under AG Racine's leadership, we recently formed uh, an elder justice section. So we have um, at OAG, it's it's not within the consumer protection section, although we work extremely close together. We have a new elder justice section, which is focused exclusively on, on these types of issues that are affecting seniors. Uh, Amy Mix leads that section. Uh, she's you know, amazing, came from AARP's legal counsel for the elderly, um, for those of you in D.C., you know, it's a, a great organization that works with seniors here in the district. Um, and that uh, section is up and running. So we are uniquely positioned to try to address these issues for, for seniors in the district because we have sort of standalone, we have a standalone section with attorneys and investigators prepared to address these types of complaints. This month we announced, you know, there were, I, I believe, four lawsuits that were filed against family members and home health aid that were um allegedly financially exploiting vulnerable adults in the district. Um, so, you know, yes, you can call our office, um, you know, the, if you have any questions or, or concerns, but, you know, also if, if any senior is experiencing abuse or neglect or exploitation, or if you are aware of a senior that you know being victimized, you, know, you should immediately get help by first filing a report with Adult Protective Services in the district um, or the Adult Protective Services Network in, in your state and filing a police report, of course. But, you know, we are also uniquely situated to try to help seniors uh, through what is you know, clearly a very challenging and difficult time. Great. Well, Ben, I think that that is uh, going to be a, a note we're going to have to end uh, our podcast today on. Um, uh, again, this has been a really amazing uh, uh, opportunity to talk about um, what the OAG's office is doing to help district residents. But I think so many of the things that you've talked about 
uh, today are applicable to folks um, who don't live in the district. Uh, your state AG's office is a immensely positive resource that folks can rely on uh, for both uh, enforcement as well as for help with uh, your consumer complaints. But Ben, uh, you know, on behalf of, of NCL, of our boss, Sally Greenberg, uh, I just wanted to, to thank you uh, for making time uh, to be on the podcast today. Uh, and thank you. Please extend uh, our thanks as well to your boss, General Racine, for all the amazing work that he's doing on behalf of consumers in the district and across the country. Thanks, John. Uh, you know, General Racine is a huge fan. And um, you know, I, I, with the historic vote in the House to make D.C. a, a state, you know, I just have to note that you, you mentioned earlier our, our population was similar to Wyoming. We, we actually beat Wyoming and we beat Vermont. And I think we're catching up on the Dakotas. So we're making progress here in the district. But th- thanks so much for having me. Uh, and, and thanks for all the work you do. Great. Thanks a lot, Ben. I appreciate it. And again, I'm John Breo. We've had the pleasure of talking to Ben Wiseman from the Office of Consumer Protection at the D.C. Attorney General's Office. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in and uh, look for another great podcast from us uh, in the weeks to come. Thanks for listening to We Can Do This, a production of the National Consumers League. We Can Do This is a member of the District Productive. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or your preferred podcast app. And hey, tell your friends about us. We love feedback, so give us a rating or review. You can also talk to us through the National Consumers League's Facebook page or on Twitter at NCL underscore tweets. That's NCL underscore tweets. Still can't get enough? Visit nclnet.org. That's N-C-L-N-E-T dot O-R-G to learn about our rich history in fighting for consumers and workers' rights, our current leadership, our education and advocacy programs, and to discover ways for you to make a difference in the world. Remember, we can do this.